0: Hey guys and welcome to episode 37 of the Garage Athlete Show. Today I am joined by Rachel. Um, Unfortunately Dan has been detained by one of his twins. She's currently got him pinned because um, she went down at 7 and then decided to wake up right before we started recording. So he is trying to get her down at the moment. If he can jump on, that's great. If he can't, then... Me and Rachel are just going to crack on tonight. So Rachel has jumped in and has agreed to basically like guest host with me while um, we're having some issues with kind of like timings and stuff with Dan. So for those of you that didn't listen to our previous podcast with Rachel, go back. Um, as I let Rachel introduce herself in a second, I will go back and look at what episode number that is. Um, Rachel is a an amazing female Coach works with the uh, pelvic floor and all that kind of stuff. That um, in terms of rehab, etc. So very, very knowledgeable. She's also one of the admins of the Home Gym UK group. So she, we thought, she'd be a great person to get on and come in and guest host a little bit more often so uh welcome Rachel if you kind of if you want to introduce yourself again for the any of the new listeners all all 10 of them um and (laughs) let 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 the people know who you are yeah I mean what a reach you guys have got
1: no I can um hi I'm Rachel Smith I am primarily a strength and rehab coach. Um, I'm qualified a your floor pelvic floor coach, and currently working with um, strong women, like female athletes online, um, who compete internationally as well. Um, we look at sort of integration of the pelvic floor um, rehabilitation whilst continuing to lift, because this is something that isn't really spoken about, really understood, um, and practices, even within sort of the medical fields, um, with physios and the like everything's quite disjointed so um i'm kind of this is my project really to get more education knowledge out there for everyday coaches because the pelvic floor isn't just for postpartum females it's for every human even a male and if you listen to previous podcasts or talk about um hernias and sort of rehabilitation sides of that if we think about postpartum females potentially with um diastasis recti that we're trying to rehab. Pelvic floor issues are basically just like a leak of the bottom of that cylinder. Where do you think about the DR out the front? So it's a lot about pressure management. Um, And these are populations that most of us come across in our own lives, like wives, girlfriends, partners, um, everyone really. So that's kind of my mini project, but I've got my own gym, which is called Inner Strength NE. We're based in Dunstan. Um, Obviously being closed more than open in the past year. Um, but got a lot of really good things to come, um, including a lot more community-based impact work.
0: I was going to Excellent. say, what a time um, to uh, buy your business partner out and fully take over the gym. That oh, he's, yeah. um, was it he or she, sorry, your business partner? She,
1: we set up together in October 2019 at the end. Um, and then changes went on. This is my baby. We went her, yeah. I went ahead with it all in from April and... 2020 just shafted me, basically. Yeah. But, you know, I'm here, but I'm good. I, I own nothing. I'm in a box room at the minute, but life life is good and positive. So,
0: Yeah, uh, it, it's one of those things. If your business has managed to survive through 2020 in the beginning of 2021, like, touch wood, nothing this bad, in yeah. theory, should happen within our lifetimes. Again, there shouldn't be another case of the entire world shutting down like six months out of a 12-month period again touch wood don't want to jinx it like but yes and for those as I said I was went back uh it's episode 17 it's called bodybuilding for some reason uh so episode 17 with Rachel Smith is the one where we went a little bit deeper in terms of like Rachel's journey kind of um through your bodybuilding career into kind of like how you got into like powerlifting and then coaching so if anybody does want to hear a little bit more about rachel's background we've covered that in wait probably about this time last year wasn't it so yeah episode 17 um so yeah how have things been like how have you been keeping yourself busy then if the gym has been closed more than it's been open this last year like have you been doing, um, like, reinvesting into the business? Have you kind of got some qualifications or things? Have, how have you been keeping busy? Um, Lord
1: really. I qualified as a pelvic floor coach at the start of last year. Um, just been slowly building upon that, which is kind of the online side and then the in-person side. Um, I've done further qualifications in... Um, becoming a sort of more specialized instructor for individuals with additional learning needs, which is something that we'll be building in the business to look at sort of equity of provision, especially with the impact of COVID on different communities and populations as well. Like for me, moving away from, um, as I mentioned before, um, a career as assistant head teacher, and then opening my own gym, it, it wasn't just a job move. And um, I'm very heavily invested in the people I work with and wanting to leave as cheesy as it sounds, like a positive impact on the people i work with and create things that should be there. And for whatever reason, like they're not.
0: Um, I think that's why a lot of us get into coaching. Like personal training is always sold as this like glamorous lifestyle. Like you'll be on like 40K a year. You can work when you want. And actually it's probably one of the most demanding businesses there is out there because you're dealing with people and it's a high ticket well not high ticket it's a luxury item at the end of the day like i don't know about you but when covid first hit like i probably lost 50 percent of my business overnight because as people went christ i've no idea what's going to happen over the next three months right i need to cut back the fat so like luxury items tend to be the first thing that kind of goes However, like when you're in it for the right reason, because you want to help people, you want to change lives and you want to leave a positive impact. Like there's very few jobs out there where you can literally say you've changed someone's life. Yeah. Like I've helped um, people lose like two, three, four stone over the space of like a year or two. And if you look at the person they are at the end, it's not just the weight loss, but it's they're happier, they're healthier they've got good habits they've managed their time better their their family's getting a better version of them because they're actually living up to their full potential whereas when they kind of like first come to you and their confidence is in the toilet um it's it's very hard to be able to achieve things when like You're not even feeling like you're making any progress, if that kind of makes sense.
1: Yeah, like you can be their only cheerleader. And for a lot of people, this is myself when I even started out, self esteem can be at the bottom, and you're that person who backs them, even if they don't back themselves. And that's why it is such a personal relationship. And it can be in a similar way to teaching, it's very draining because. You, you are their person and the, the relationship they have with you does not replicate a relationship they've got anywhere else and they've never had and that is in itself the beauty of the job the impact you have I don't necessarily work with weight loss clients I don't focus on the loss of weight in terms of on a scale like I avoid that it's a route I've been down myself but my investment is very much in that person in terms of the impact that can have on their life and the weight loss comes the change in habits come because they buy into themselves because you buy into them but it's yeah. you you have to be that person um I mean you'll have seen it yourself when you worked on if you worked in a gym or being in a commercial gym there are like trainers there who are very popular and even if they're not their best at their job they invest so much in the person their personality like kind of draws people to them because of how they make people feel and people yeah. get results kind of because of that not necessarily because the coach is amazing but because they have that real investment in care they'll be the person who sends them a message the next day checking in on them whereas the coach who's not in it for the right reasons like we talked about before will see them as an appointment as money so like was t- like you mentioned it is a luxury item but it's one that i'm very hopeful for the industry coming out of um Like the current lockdown people see the benefit in the relationship that in-person training can offer as opposed to on screen because I'm very much an in-person person person and I hate technology I'd rather be on the gym floor working with people because for all I'm a bit of an introverted extrovert um, and I need that and that's kind of what builds me up so I get just as much out of what I do as what the people who I work with get out of me as well.
0: Yeah it's it's one of those things so obviously myself and Dan have both moved more into the online coaching side of stuff yeah um and that's literally just a time thing we've both got young families that we'd we'd want to spend more time with like the only problem with like face-to-face coaching is it takes up a lot of time whereas we've got young kids so I would love to own my own gym one day like that that is the dream I know it comes with all kinds of headaches and overheads and all that that. kind of stuff but just like you like I, I love that feeling of having people kind of like on the gym floor seeing them kind of make that progress so like for me obviously once my kids are grown that is probably where I will end up in the in the longer term because I enjoy that side of it I know I will always coach probably a small group of people like face to face
1: yeah
0: um to get that human interaction to get that where you buy in and you can buy into that other human um and I think that that is very very important and I know kind of like on the group we get a question at least like once a month about like coaching and like why people have personal trainers and stuff like that and it's normally the people who have had a bad experience with a coach that have not had that coach that's bought into them they've had that person that's like fresh off a course or literally just sees people as cash cows. Like it's literally right. Here's your appointment. Here's your hour. You get your hour of my time. You're going to rent a friend and then see you later. And that's also the type of PT that when lockdown hit, they disappeared off the face of the earth. And what you'll start to see now listeners is PTs starting to crawl out of the woodwork and going oh, I've got slots available in April if anybody's interested. Like, those are the types of trainers to avoid. Like, the trainers you want to be kind of reconnecting with are the ones that have been checking in on you every now and again during lockdown. They've been putting out consistent content to help you because they've been doing it for free, even though they've not been paid. Even if they've not moved online, they should still be providing you some level of service and some level of education to have helped you through this period. Not just exchanging their time for your money.
1: Yeah, I think that's one of the things I've found the hardest myself, sort of across the past year, with the the gym being open, closed, level three restrictions. So a business model that I've gone in thinking, right, okay, COVID lockdown once done, we can get open. Changes again, and it's been trying to manage my own, like myself, my own emotions, sort of keeping myself going whilst trying to keep other people going, and it has tested my limits. Like lockdown two was literally like a kick in the teeth to me. I was just like, can I do this again? And then it's a case of, right, what can I set clients up with? How can this look? My gym's based on group training. I'm not allowed to do that. What can I actually do? And it's very similar to kind of how I'm looking to reopen um, and just providing the people who still want the service, which with the service and the equipment that I've got and that I can loan out, um, it's it's just been a very difficult thing and the lack of interaction is kind of much more towards lockdown three wavered because everybody's really feeling it you know it's yeah. when we got the announcement the other day it was like okay so we're still really in lockdown until the end of March year middle of April yeah. really aren't we even though on paper it doesn't say that's like no we are we are so still even for like Simspen UK active there's no guidance on sort of what the gym um can actually look like in terms of one-to-one groups anytime before before um, the 12th of April and then into May. So it's kind of trying to catch your breath whilst try still trying to deliver what you're trying to do and juggle all of the balls, but give me till the end of the year. Watch us
0: <laughs> Yeah, so uh, for those of you that don't know, where can they go and follow you uh, for your gym, uh, Rachel, on um, the Instagram,
1: the main one, isn't it? My On Instagram, my gym is linked in my own profile. My profile is RS underscore strength underscore coach. And then my gym's linked in that. Otherwise, you can go directly to that. And that is inner underscore strength underscore
0: NE. But they're both Yes. Guys, make sure that you go and follow and interact with some of rachel's content and know she's going to be putting out some really really interesting stuff especially for the female athletes out there i know there's like two of you that listen but um there's yeah. some decent um,
1: stuff out there on the rehab side of stuff as well so if that's what you're interested in and not kind of throwing your money at physios every time you
0: get injured kind of yeah. pop me a message i'll have a look
1: on there as well
0: Definitely. Drop her a DM because, um, I know next time I get some twinges, I'll probably, be, uh, you're going to get pestered by me, Rachel. That could um, be I taken get... in one or two ways that though. <laughs> I've got Not those a kind of offer. DMs. <laughs> right. So first question we have is from Con Reed. What are the key differences that coaches should prioritize when coaching women compared to men, i.e. how slash if hormonal differences affect recovery? Um, I'll let you take the lead on this one and then what I'll do is out because I know you don't focus a lot on like the weight loss side of stuff so then I'll tag on like how I differentiate some of the weight loss stuff that I do um yeah so if you want to start. So this is a
1: a bit of a biggie and it's uh, a again it's an it depends type question so females obviously very different physiologically across the month we've obviously got the four phases of the menstrual cycle and they tend to be kind of the period where you shed uterine lining then we've got late follicular phase going into a mid-luteal phase and then we've got kind of the the premenstrual cycle like towards the end um which is kind of when females are described as being very premenstrual and moody and all of the stuff that we get associated with us now In the past, um, through my own experience of coaches, they very much, I've had male coaches and they very much left it up to me to kind of work out what's going on with myself. However, not all females are that well in tune with their own bodies. And the reason I say my answer is it depends, is it depends if the female in question is hitting her nutrition, her sleep, and managing stress, managing kind of any um, rehab or mobility type work because all of this is going to be impacted by her menstrual cycle and in turn her menstrual cycle affects this. It's kind of hand in hand, you can't get away from one. So for all, you could do all of the right things At one particular time in your menstrual cycle training wise if your sleep is shocking and you're drinking alcohol every night so you're getting poor quality sleep anyway it doesn't matter what you do you're not going to achieve the best results training wise and i know you'll touch on this when you come to nutrition as well don but um it's in terms of getting the most out of what females need to do if they're programmed themselves or they've got a coach it's just getting females to record kind of what their mood is like day to day, what their appetite is like, how their sleep has been and looking at what strategies need to be put in place to manage this. Um, so uh, hand in hand with that goes um, kind of lots of a cycle as well, which I experienced myself. And we talked about that on the previous podcast where a lot of females like to not have a menstrual cycle because it kind of gets in the way and affects things, but it's a sign of good health. Um, if you're prone to sort of issues with that or you've had any um, anorexia or bulimia, this can be indicative of sort of your health profile, your hormonal profile, and that can affect um, osteoporosis as you age or not even as you age, just signs of that sort of in early um, females who are in their early 20s. So recovery is impacted though. Um, kind of across the cycle. So with a period, we'll look at the, this is like the first day of the bleed and generally it goes on for like, what, four to seven days is like an average type of period. It can be, be different. That's just kind of what's taken as average. Um, now, depending on how much of a certain chemical called prostaglandins, which are um, released as kind of a chemical in the body at that time, that can, if you have too much of that, it can actually get into your bloodstream and as females will call that like period poos, so that can affect like digestion, um, like what your gut feels like, use of a belt, um, how comfortable different positions feel for training, different exercises as well. Um, but you can take like ibuprofen or paracetamol to offset those symptoms. At that time as well, if you're someone who bleeds a lot, it might be a necessity to take an iron supplement because of obviously your body's going to be losing more of that through the bleed. Um, and this is just something that you could bear in mind, like from a health perspective. During that time, we tend, well, our oestrogen's low um, and our uterus is heavier. So we tend, well, to weight as female. Um, You you might find for at least the first few days when you are in a heavier floor, that exercise isn't quite up there on your radar, but you might still want to get some movement in. So um, I work with females um, who might have coaches for the programming, but I've got them in terms of well working on pelvic floor rehab. And what I'll say is you've got let's you don't have to do your training across a seven-day window or a five-day window or a 10-day window. Have a chat with your coach about it. If you need to put three rest days back to back, because you know on the fourth day, your estrogen started to creep up again, you're feeling like a completely different person because physiologically you are, then there's nothing wrong with that. Like use the cycle to your advantage. And then after that, we're going to the late follicular phase, which is when the estrogen starts to climb and like that's I was super hormone, that makes us feel amazing, it does all the good stuff. We're very confident, motivated um, and our recovery and adaptation to um, exercise and muscle growth is like at its peak there. That's that's kind of like our our good bit. Um, Some coaches do like to kind of use this to get the most out of the training in terms of programming PBs for that time or um, going through potentially any new techniques or lift because we are very much more open to discussion and our mood is elevated. So it's not the case of I've had a shit train session, I can't do anything. Like that'll probably be 10 days later, like that'll come. Um, but yeah, that is kind of your your time to try for your PVs, but be aware that during that time, um, that oestrogen climate can have an impact on collagen, so we are more prone to injury. So for all you might be going all guns blazing, just be aware that recovery still needs to be factored in here, just because you you're pushing harder because your body's more capable of recovering, but you are in a slightly more hormonally fragile state based on the impact of this on your collagen. So specifically think like, um, ACL, this is like something that we see a lot in females and that would be something that could happen during this time, just as a very broad example there. Um, yeah. Then after that, we go through, um, the later phases where we've got like progesterone creeping up, um, then we've got kind of the decline, we've got digestion slowing down, potentially water retention. So again, not particularly feeling that comfortable. Think about um, the foods that you're eating and the kind of space between fiber intake across the day, depending on your tolerance and where you have your belt is like for placement, um, depending on what lift you're doing. And then premenstrual cycle, that's when we have like that, that proper double drop of estrogen, progesterone where our body's in a completely different hormonal state and it's like right I've literally got none of these hormones that I used to have floating around in my system and you want me to do the same sort of stuff that you did like two weeks ago not a chance so this affects people very differently again but with this um like PMS is impacted by stress and inflammation which is obviously like training causes inflammation in the body as well but because of this you can Actually, I'll mention this here as well. So during that time, if this might sound a little bit strange, but our obviously we've got changes in weight, water retention, and things. Our chest size, like our breast size, can change as well. So if you could bear in mind how comfortable, for example, if you train a strong woman, like a um, log pressing feels, or how comfortable um, a front squat feels, because you've got the weight on the front of your body where you're actually a lot more sensitive at that time through like fluid. So it could even be looking at the type of sports bra you're wearing or um, how well-fitting that is as well. So there's quite a, a lot of things to think about. But if you start to track things, it, that's what your normal looks like. So it's not the case of, oh, why do I feel crap again? You're like, well, I'm just looking back through my notes. Three weeks ago, I was in exactly the same state. So why why is this like, oh, like why, why don't we already know this? Well, we do, but it's just having like, Something to reflect back on in the same way that we monitor um, changes in weight, which I'm sure you'll touch on. You can't compare yourself day to day or week to week as a female because physiologically, because of these rising and declining hormones, you are not the same person internally. However, there are a few things that don't change, um, which are like your VO two max capacity and um, like your aerobic fitness. So, for all you want to actually do some type of cardio. In your sessions might be different week to week. Your ability to do that doesn't change. It's just kind of how motivated you feel or how poor your recovery is around that, which is not good news if you want to be like, no, no, I'm on, I'm on um, week three, of my mental cycle, it's just not a good time. You're like,
0: can't do it. Mean, you can still
1: do this, we'll just give you a <laughs> bit more rest.
0: Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So, um, the guy who's asked this is a male coach himself. So what I would say is, number one, do some reading about the hormones, the effects they can have in the body. Like, you don't need to be an expert in it like Rachel is, um, because, well, unless you are training a lot of female clients, in which case then you probably want to be a little bit more clued up on it. Um, So have a baseline knowledge. Understand that, like Rachel said, that, women can't compare themselves day to day, week to week. It's more in a month to month cycle. So you have to get them to start keeping like notes, not just on their training and their numbers or their weight in terms of if they're in body fat, but how they're feeling. So were they up for the session? Did they feel strong? Did they feel like they were gonna actually smash it? Or, were they a bit sluggish kind of when they got into the gym they didn't really kind of put all their effort into their warm-up all these kind of things and then they want to kind of be keeping notes on those and then you want to look back four weeks before so did I feel like this four weeks ago okay this could be if you build that up over say a four to six month period and you know between this day and this day I'm going to feel like crap you probably don't want to set pb days on those days whereas if you know right between this day and this day i always feel much better okay well we know one of those is coming up so if i'm going to program in a diet break it's probably going to be around that period that you're going to want to eat those like higher calorie foods and things like that so the best thing that you can do as i said is like get your clients to keep notes on it and if it's in a system that you can see you can also reassure them Uh, Just touching on kind of the weighing side of stuff, like if I've got a client, like, especially for females, so for my male clients, I try to get them to weigh themselves every single day. So first thing in the morning, right when they wake up, um, just after they've been to the toilet, before they've eaten or drank anything, to keep it as stable as possible. Some both men and women, some people cope fine with that. They can cope with the fact their weight fluctuates and actually it helps them to see that their weight fluctuates from day to day. Anywhere around, I think anywhere between a kilo and a half to two kilos, your weight can fluctuate from like day to day. So like, don't freak out when that's happening. However, as Rachel said, there's a particular week in the month where you can retain, I've seen ladies retain like three to four pounds of water in a particular week of the month so they might have been for three weeks in a row they've done like one to two pounds weight loss like bang 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 and this week it just plateaus off and as a male trainer sometimes it's a little bit well I used to find it really really embarrassing to be in like where in your cycle are you but I don't know I just don't care I have no no qualms of saying that now so one question that you might want to ask is okay whereabouts in your cycle are you are you due Uh, to have a period over the next few days and if they say yes then it's like don't freak out like let's just ride this out for another week or two let's see kind of how things go like don't stop pulling calories left right and center just because um females have um plateaued off a little bit and what you'll find as well is the female body holds on to body fat like much much harder than men do like you stick a guy in a calorie deficit and they'll start losing body fat like that whereas if you try and do that with a woman like it might work for two three weeks and then just all of a sudden it just stops and you can start pulling calories and start adding cardio in and things just don't move and if that's happening sometimes it goes counterintuitive but sometimes you need to give them more food and let them rest more because what will happen is their body, what you've got to remember is women are designed to carry, well, reproduce. Like as sexist as that sounds, like hormonally and things like that, like that, that's what their body's built to do. When you are in a calorie deficit for like too long, one thing that's gonna start to be kind of like dampened down is your re- reproductive capabilities. So what's gonna happen is your body's gonna like act against that and it's gonna go, no, 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 I wanna hold on to this body fat because actually that is gonna help me to be able to do this, which is kind of like the main thing it wants to do. So, as I said, it's counterintuitive as it says sometimes if somebody just plateaus off, giving them a bit of a diet break, pulling their calories back up to maintenance, dropping their cardio for anywhere between like five I've had people have like 21 days of a diet break and they've not put a massive amount of weight back on but as soon as we've then tipped them back into a deficit they've started losing again so it's one of those things where it's, it's not necessarily a linear process and uh, I don't know if you find this but like sometimes you're just looking at somebody's results and scratching your head and you're going I'm doing everything right like why I do are you... myself don't do do that is me my body's
1: like. You, you want to die? No, we're not going to do that. But again, it's, I think, especially for females, we're like, why is it not changing? You put so much pressure on yourself. Um, and that in turn, it's like extra stress. And our bodies are like not designed to cope with stress. So it's, you've got to put as many things in place as you can and just as corny as it sounds, very cliche, learn to trust the process. And the yeah. more you work with somebody, the better results you get. And what you'll find is every time you go through diet phase, you have to go back through a reverse diet. You have to look to build and put on muscle because as a female, I did this myself and you'll expect to just diet and then eat in surplus for a few weeks and diet again and look better. And it's like your body hasn't even had the chance to get extra calories. You're barely eating up like your new maintenance. And that's again, something people need to learn because your body is a different weight now. Your cal- cal- I can't even say it. calorie demands are different as well. And then- depending on, again, where you're at in your menstrual cycle, or if you are older and um, we're looking at like pre-menopause or menopause, we again have a whole different physiological system that our bodies need to kind of get to learn, and things can be very, very difficult then in terms of sort of weight and fat distribution and what the body needs versus what you want it to do. Um, So for all, all I've I've worked with people in the past who have just been like suck it up, and I'm like, (laughs) <laughs> okay the calories have gone down and i'm like on like another yeah. last podcast i'm on the stem off like an hour a day and i'm just like wow yeah it's it's it's, a it's one of
0: those though that those at the end of the day it does work but you're probably causing that person a lot of metabolic damage by doing that like in the long term their body is going to be absolutely like messed up I'm trying to swear less so that youtube stop um, <laughs> up the videos Was that um, why you've got me on okay <laughs> yeah keep me yeah, um uh oh, i had a point i was gonna say um I can't remember. It'll come back to me in a minute. But oh, yeah, the reverse dieting. So, uh, the mistake a lot of people make as well is they get a PT, right? I want to be, say, I want to drop a dress size. Perfect. So, they get a PT, they train for 12 to 16 weeks, hit their goal, and they stop. And the PT is like, fine, I've got you before and after photos. It's great. However, like I put out a video recently on like the life cycle of coaching. So like a good coach shouldn't just let you leave at the end of that process. They should show you how to reverse back out of that diet. So just like when you're dieting down, it's incremental. You might start at say for a a lady, it might be somewhere like the 1800 calories mark. Yes, over time your body adapts to it and you do have to pull some calories out and keep it going lower as the body fat comes down. But you say, for example, you started a diet at 1800 and you finish it at like 1200 calories or something low down like that. You shouldn't jump then straight from 1200 back to 1800 in one jump because your body will pile on body fat really, really fast. And you'd be amazed how quickly it can come back on. And then just like you said, what happens is, right, they've eaten at 1800 calories for three weeks now. They were dieting for say, six months they've eaten at surplus now for three weeks and they go oh holy christ i put on like six pounds right i need to go on a diet again when they're metabolically still going to be down at that 1200 mark it takes anywhere from like 10 12 depending on how lean you get it can take anywhere from like two months right up to i've seen it take people like seven eight months like the um the bikini girls and stuff like that, that go down to really low body fats, especially if they're doing it naturally and they're not trucking tests and stuff in their system. Like it can take anywhere from like six to nine months to not just physiologically get back to a normal place, but mentally get back to a normal place. Like when you're dieting for a show, it, that's disordered eating. It's not a normal eating pattern. It's not normal to weigh every single thing of food that you eat it's not normal to be like right i'm intentionally dieting down to like three percent body fat i'm saying all this having my prep started like yesterday so i'm just about to do this to myself like you've got to be a special kind of crazy to kind of put yourself through that and i think a lot of people jump into preps because it's the in thing isn't it like everybody wants to be a, a men's physique guy or go and do a bikini show or whatever it is but they don't realize like it really messes you up for quite a while afterwards that's why I took a whole year out after it took me a good six months to kind of get back to normal and now I'm going to go and do it again because I'm determined to win you are
1: mental crazy I am
0: I am like once I get like a trophy I'll be like right that's me done (laughs) I don't want to do this again but it lit a fire in me when I, I like I got on stage I looked amazing and I came last in my class and I was like right <laughs> away to the drawing board i think to win we'll one of these now. <laughs> yeah pretty much right uh, next question is for tony kaiser what is the worst of the three power lifts and why is it deadlift and um, and then we've had this question before and they said um why was it bench and then somebody else has put why is it squat so i think everybody has their personal preference so what's your favorite of the three main lifts and what's your least favorite of the three main lifts?
1: My, it's changed. It used to be squat. And then when I have my three disc herniations linked with my um, height mobility, it changed. And I had to graft so hard to build my deadlift back up. Um, and that's kind of my baby. So I've got a bit of a personal goal. Someone finished business that 2020, took from under the rug. So I'm going to crack on with that this year. Um, but used to be squats, and now it's deadlifts. Um, but never bench. But I've got from tears <laughs> in my shoulders, so bench, anything chest-based, just feels like a shower sure shit on my shoulders, so...
0: Right. Yeah. Whereas I'm the opposite. Like, I love bench, and, like... I, I've got a love-hate relationship with deadlifts. I love them, because of the amount of weight that you can lift. However, my garage is about six feet away from my neighbor's house. So I've got a detached garage that's like on the far end of the property. And it's like six feet away from their living room. So like I, I have to do block pulls on a shed load of like foams. I, I want to get some, some of those crash mats um, and I can only do touch and go because if I drop that weight, like I've had him come and knock on the garage before and be like, what the hell are you doing in there? It's like okay so i can't go for max effort deadlifts now so it's put it way down in the um in the order i used to love deadlifts like being able to get up to like a max weight like i've said to dan once i've done competing and my weight is back at a normal place i'm going to let him coach me because i want to be able to deadlift 200 kilos at like 75 i think that'd be a really cool achievement to be able to do so that was a house? this would
1: be a lot easier just move oh, i'm
0: going to move house so that'll be around a similar time we're going to be uh we said we're, we'll see how the we've got a fixed term five years and then we'll look to kind of get a bigger house so again business needs to yeah get up there get back on its feet okay so joseph level like label level Lovell, um, i'm uh, murdered that surname what book or podcast what book podcast or youtube channel would you recommend for lifting technique programming and nutrition um
1: i think i kind of on the because this was in the group i kind of again given it depends on and went into reasons on this so for all of them it very much depends on if you're a coach or if you are a casual athlete or if you're more invested or a competitor it depends on how long you've been training and how long you've been training with intensity and correct form as in have you been coached on this by someone good because you can go down rabbit holes with so much stuff and then you end up with personal bias purely because of your lack of experience knowledge and kind of width and depth like your depth of reading, really um
0: yeah
1: so yeah it depends but podcast wise um some a couple of guys who are really easy listening and great guys to learn from as a coach as well um nick daniel who is they're both on instagram nick daniel and chris not um know their stuff and the way they present things is generally in a way that someone who trains can understand and a coach can consider what they do and the implications and the the reason I like them is because they're very easy for the everyday person to understand like you wouldn't need to kind of translate what they're saying into like commonplace speak like anyone can kind of learn from them but also as a coach the way that they speak about things and present them allows you to consider your application your clients to yourself and play around with things like there are so many different considerations for different people but unless you try them out as a coach yourself you wouldn't know how to apply things what why and then how to adapt because an exercise is just a movement a movement with weight and the way in which you do that needs to it's very much individual but it also depends on like your how long you've been training but also how well you can train and also on your own physio- physiology as well. Um, there's, there's so many things, but they, those are two great guys. Um, female wise, Katie Sinclair is a great one for coaches. Um, she's based in America, as is Alex Effer. Um, the, the, I'd say their information is for coaches who do have a, a fair amount of experience and understanding. Otherwise, again, what you'd learn from what they offer, including mentorship programs, would go above your head and you just be throwing things at people because it look cool. And it's not about that, it's like the right reasons. And as long as you learn and know how to implement it, it's great. Um, Trying to think books, uh, things around like habits and understanding sort of how to take control of your own life as well. It it might seem a bit like woo, but if you are invested in becoming better and like just as a, a person, maybe in all aspects of your life, understanding more about sort of the sleep side of things more about the habit side of things um about motivation so like life coaching really anything along those lines um, and yeah. yeah i can't really think of any specific books like i read loads of them but um james clear is a good guy to follow on instagram because he does post quite a few things from his book um which i like people might not but
0: <laughs> i think it's quite as you said like person dependent so like for me um in terms of like general pop um and like guys over so i listened to religiously the industrial strength show with joe defranco he's probably one of the first like fitness people that i ever followed i did his uh, west side for skinny bastards uh when i was like 16 added probably took my bench from like 40 kilos up to probably doubled my bench squatted for the first time ever because he was like you've got to train legs and i just didn't train legs at 16 so again i got my squat up to like 100 and then just and nobody taught me how to deadlift properly so like every time i deadlifted it felt like i was having a hernia so i just didn't do that um so yeah definitely uh, the industrial strength show by joe defranco And then in terms of like bodybuilding, especially like natural bodybuilding, you've got 3DMJ, 3D Muscle Journey. It's very Americanized, like, and that's bodybuilding through and through. But they do do some powerlifting stuff in there. So they're all like natty coaches. I looked into doing coaching with them. It's about $250 a month. So I decided against that because of the time difference and stuff. And then just something that is basically a group of men just, chatting rubbish for like an hour is the real bodybuilding podcast uh, by fuad that's probably one of my favorite podcasts at the moment when you just want to sit you don't want to listen to anything like sciency or want to learn anything it's literally if you sat like you're one of the lads i'm guessing rachel you just sat in in a room with the lads and just the general just bollocks that they all just talk uh-huh. And it's just one of those things, it's lighthearted. Sometimes you learn something, like every now and again, they'll get a guest on. Like they had Chris Bumstead on the other day, and I learned quite a lot from that one. Um, But yeah, otherwise, it's just like four guys just chatting rubbish for an hour. So that's podcasts wise. Uh, What was the other ones? YouTube. Um, You can go down a rabbit hole on YouTube. There's so many like wannabe fitness influences um i don't really get much of information from youtube anymore i watch youtube for entertainment because that's what it is it's an entertainment platform like the stuff that's put on there nine times out of ten they call it infotainment so they're giving you information but it's meant to keep you on that platform it's not really the best resource to kind of go to for your training information there's one um exercises
1: there's two guys on there, Jay McGee and Chris Knott, like they were together um, on Reborn to Transform. Now mm-hmm. on their YouTube channel, that's probably one of the best YouTube channels I've seen from an educational point of view and an easy to understand application point. So if you are more invested in your training, like if and you want tutorials on doing things that you've got back pain when you're lifting or um, issues with your hip, your ankle, things that don't feel right. If you have a look through the their kind of bank, it'll help troubleshoot potentially some new positions
0: to try out or just different ways to approach your lifting. That's just prompted me of uh, the hypertrophy coach as well. I can't remember his name. Like he does some really, really good stuff for YouTube. I think it's mostly for Instagram and then he pulls it across to YouTube anyway, but he explains everything and the reason behind it. And that's, you always want somebody that I'm I'm not necessarily interested in all, like the, research and the, the 10 different like things but i'm not being funny like he, you can see from his own physique as well as uh, the people he coaches like he knows what he's doing now pardon yeah and then in terms of books like you said uh, in terms of like training and stuff like textbooks and everything they're okay but it's actual, the physical application of what's going into it. That will be the big thing. So like, and people prefer to uh, absorb that content through videos nowadays, I think. But in terms of like mindset, and stuff, and learning how to troubleshoot and like um, the science of human behavior, um, the, oh, what's it called? The seven habits of highly effective people. That's a really, really good one in terms of getting out your own way learning to focus on um what you can control so you've got a sphere of influence of things that are within your direct control and then there's a sphere that are direct that are not within your control and a lot of people focus on all that stuff that's outside of their control what happens in the media what's in the news all this stuff that they have no direct control over so that causes stress anxiety and all those things that are not conducive to good training. Whereas when you focus on those things you can control, those things you can control expand and you're able to actually control more. Um, I'm listening to a book at the bu- at the moment called The Buddha and the Badass, which is, um, it's an interesting one. It's more a philosophy book. And it's basically how to merge being an awesome, like business owner with like the whole Zen Buddhist stuff with let it go basically. And then the other one was the chimp paradox. So it's all about the subconscious mind and basically getting out of your own way and understanding you almost have two personalities within your head, you have the human and the chimp. And the chimp does certain things which seem a little bit crazy to the human. So the human is you and the chimp is like a five-year-old version of you that is like 10 times stronger. So that's why you do stupid stuff when you're trying to diet and self-sabotage. So when you understand that you've got this voice in your head that is trying to sabotage you you feel you don't feel as bad when it then wins it's learning how to manage that voice and live with it rather than constantly be fighting with it yeah, but,
1: yeah. stuff like that like when you talk about um like i always go through with my clients like backing yourself you need to be the voice that speaks to yourself stop listening to it actually Mm -hmm. give yourself the words and the voice and talk to yourself. It does sound stupid, but it is a kind of like affirmation type thing as in what you consume, you believe. And if what you consume isn't in line with who you want to be or what you want to believe, you're never going to become aligned with that. So again, it sounds a little bit woo, but if you think about it, it actually makes sense because if you consume tripe on the TV and that is your source of information, that becomes like your life and your knowledge purely like by proxy so change that and just think about the words that you use to speak about yourself at different times and just think is it is this something i would say to my best friend no then why would you say that to yourself that's a very good way to think about because it's acting in your own best interests
0: yeah negative self-talk is a massive massive thing to overcome and a lot of people suffer with it so yeah um I'm a big reader. So I listen to my audiobooks, like every single day. So um, there's a reason why like, the most successful people in the world like read a lot. So- You called yourself one of the most successful people in the world? <laughs> no, I'm just saying I read because of the successful people in the world also read. I'm not. <laughs> just tell yourself what. Watch this space, watch this space. Okay, uh, question three. Uh, question for all three. Wow, um, it's late. Um, what has been your proudest moment slash biggest achievement in both your training and coaching careers? You go first,
1: I need to think about this one.
0: So biggest achievement in my training career was probably competing. Um, it's the first time I'd put myself that far out of my comfort zone like it didn't really matter about the result it, the fact that I was up on stage and didn't look out of place um was a massive massive achievement for me and in my coaching career um probably helping Jay uh from who, uh, the like main guy for the home gym group I think in total we helped him lose I think he lost a total of five stone in total, um, and three and a half of that was working with me. He'd lost about a stone on his own. Um, We've put some weight back on now. He's gone into a bit of a uh, reverse diet, and then we're going to be starting him to do his first ever prep for doing a men's physique show. Hopefully this autumn, if everything kind of goes to plan. However, he's got a baby under two, so like the best laid plans and all that so we'll we'll see how it goes whether he competes this year or next year is yet yet to be seen
1: so for me um professionally this was quite early on in my career so um before i left london top sort of four years ago i worked as like assistant manager in the gym illusion and one of my I, the clients i kind of attracted sort were rehab based um still very new to what i was doing but again it's Working with the right people, learning, looking, taking note, and being invested in in the person. And um, was a, a guy who had it's quite a quite a sad story actually. So he was in fine health. Um, he woke up one morning. He used to be dancing. Woke up one morning and he couldn't move his legs. And he his like he he had lupus, um, and obviously that affects sort of your your body's basically attacking itself it's not one blood cells aren't working together they should be against each other and he ended up in hospital and came out on um, crutches and I was with him this was maybe sort of nine months after he came out of hospital um and he wanted to be in the gym like he came into gym, and he, I just chatted to him generally when he was there and he was just on like recumbent bikes like sitting down we couldn't really get around much fortunately we had a lift in there so we were accessible um and then just speaking to him and then he, he wanted to be there doing what everybody else was doing but he'd lost so much strength so much muscle mass so much like movement capability like obviously there, there was a lot of things that we needed to address and then we had addressed his nutrition as well because he couldn't eat very well just because of the medication and other things that he'd been through so this was a massive thing. And um, we were together for, I think about nine months. Um, when I left there, I kind of left him in some very capable hands, Who, but she was continuing the work that I did. Um, but sort of a few months later, um, she sent me a video of him just walking in the gym. But before I left, he was using the Stairmaster without, you know, he was holding on very lightly, but was able to actually climb a set of stairs, a ro- like a rolling set of stairs and um, whereas he was having to use the lift previously for everything um, he was able to well, look at sort of stability um, like management of his position center of mass even from the point of view of like he could stop himself from falling over which sounds ridiculous but it's it's not like it that's a danger to yourself isn't it it's, hazard. it's something we like finding um, older adults as well and that for me that, that that was one of the highlights because that's one of the reasons that i got into doing the job i did because it's that impact and where he did well yeah like his gp kind of referred him a bit of physio but they're kind of, they're just more bothered about can you move can we manage your pain off you go because that's yeah. what the service is like the deal with so many people um like we we invested like, a lot into it and it was it was so good like it's so good yeah, yeah. um and personally it doesn't even come down like the training side of things it probably would be sort of my self-management of like the weight type of journey I've been on um, sort of my mental fortitude throughout everything from moving, losing over half my body weight and went with a rather inept coach to then managing sort of my hypermobility tears back severe back injury um And a lot of things like that, like including just me going into such a surplus and putting on a huge amount of weight to kind of fix a lot of things that I know I needed to address. Um, And for that, it is just a mental fortitude to know that what I need to do, I'm more than capable of putting my mind to. And I do believe a lot of that's got me through the past year and more um, because it is just, it it sounds cheesy again, but it is just that inner strength and belief that provided you're doing the right thing and you're a good person, you're going to get where you want to not just with the people you work with but with yourself as well and that will then reflect on your business
0: definitely A um, bit sorry, <laughs> that's all right sometimes we go to sometimes it's not just talking about comic books and um
1: yeah, people just turn and off and i'll be like nah they're yeah. not talking about <laughs> spider-man i don't want to know
0: <laughs> we'll we'll get some spider-man questions in next time but... Uh, um last question which will put us on for about an hour which is spot on so uh from Natalie Taylor how can I make sure that my pelvic floor muscles are protected during heavy lifting I've read that wearing a belt can be counterproductive for this I'm gonna have to leave this one completely to you because I have no idea. because
1: <laughs> so this is quite a loaded question so the first thing I'd be saying as a female Everybody should be doing pelvic floor exercises daily. Even if you don't have any symptoms, you should be doing two sets of long holds, two sets of short holds. You think about the power and the endurance. The power is being able to stop a wee coming out straight away, as if you're out and you need the toilet. Again, stopping any um, farts, if you stood beside somebody you don't wanna let rip. And then the endurance is what allows you to manage to carry around um, all of your pelvic floor organs and the impact day to day on any form of movement. Even if you're sat down there on a seat now, you've got pressure go down on your pelvic floor as you're breathing, just through the movement of your pelvic floor organs, which are within that area. So that's kind of the non-negotiable, this is what you should be doing. Now in terms of training, um, females depending on if they've had children haven't looked at their pelvic floor or had any internal assessments can come across issues. Females like myself who haven't, again, can come across issues. And a lot of this is learning how to breathe properly as in diaphragmatic breathing, which connects with the pelvic floor and manages pressure, allowing the pelvic floor to react to the pressure management that's going on in the cylinder above. Um, And also goes down with the ability to brace effectively, which again comes down to positioning. And one of my biggest bugbears is that as a level two and a level three coach, you're not coached and taught about the pelvic floor at all like it's a muscle group why we're not taught about it is just beyond a joke and I'm on a bit of a mission to change that as well like quite a few other people at the moment along with that is bracing as well like I was never coached or taught how to brace and I think a lot of um the misconception is and I've had this from the females I work with is that someone will see you lifting heavy, presume you don't have any issues because you haven't spoken about it and then presume that you know how to brace. Now, you might spot that in somebody as a coach or even in as a lifter yourself. If you're, a really easy example of spot is if somebody's squatting, irrespective of with wearing a belt or not, they lose tension in like part of the squat. A lot of that can come from lack of intra-abdominal pressure, which looks at core management, looks at pelvic floor pressure management as well. So this is quite in like a good sign to be able to spot and look out for. Um, It can even come into people doing lunges and not being able to stabilize through the movement as well because where is the pressure being managed? Is it a strength issue or is it a pressure management issue from a brace or um, their breath as they're moving? And then when Natalie's talked about use of a belt there, that is often looked at as kind of a stick and plaster, like people get with certain lift and think I have to put my belt on and it's it's like well take it off because your core is a 360 degree cylinder and you actually need to be able to work all of the core muscles not just the superficial six-pack ones and that's why I'll always look at programming when people come to me with a pelvic floor and say why have you got crunches in there why have you got sit-ups in there why Is there nothing like a dead bug in there or a beast hold or a bear crawl? Why is there nothing where you've got lumbar pelvic stability going on? Um, you know, manage them in different ways, even if it's just part of your movement prep, um, or it's something that you want to include as a, an exercise with weight or resistance. But it's addressing these things to know that it's putting you in a safe position to be able to brace and manage pressure, um, before you kind of go under a more loaded weight, whether it's deadlifting overhead pressing or squatting as well. And don't just rely on a belt to give you something to push out of. You should be able to, as your lifts progress, your belt, you should, belt, sorry, sorry, should progress with that as well. So if you're used to putting a belt on at 70 kilos, start to wean yourself off, put it on at like 72.5 or 75.
0: As is, there a, mess. is there a certain percentage of weight people should be aiming for or is it literally just the feel for it, like where you feel you need to get your belt on?
1: Yeah, it, it is that, but I, I'll always look to any females, well, especially females, males too, anyone who's wearing a belt for squat to deadlift up body weight. If you've been deadlifting for like a while, which I'd expect you to, if you are wearing a belt, don't just whack on a belt in your first six months of deadlifting or squatting. That's not going to be effective in you learning to actually stabilize and brace under load that you're relying on external pressure and support as well. Um There isn't anything, but I would look to somebody who kind of, it, it, it tends to be like mentally, it's like a mental security blanket. I'll put this on because I've hit this weight play around, try to wean yourself off, get that 360 um, strength in the core. Make sure you're actually strengthening your lower back as well and your upper back, because you might see people put a belt on um, like for core stability when they're under a squat, but the issue actually comes from poor um, upper back strength and they can't actually maintain the, the pressure that they need to with their body around the bar. And then you've got a lack of internal pressure. So you, you it's just a catastrophe where to didn't happen. And I see this all far too often and it's very difficult. So this actually goes back to the first question when it's like speaking to females, um, like what would you recommend for females different times of the month or is there a change look at when you can maximize training without the belt, look at when it's not appropriate to, because the intra-abdominal pressure is so poor in terms of all the muscles there are working on kind of relaxing things to allow the blood to be released. So they then they're, they're not wanting to work towards actually stabilizing your core, they've got another job to be doing and that's their priority at that time. Um, and you whacking a belt on then isn't going to do anything other than make someone wet themselves because that pressure management from the belt is so great, so all they're doing is forcing their, their breath and self out into something that is stronger than what they can manage themselves. Also like a belt placement as well for different lifts. It requires different positioning and just think about how the rib cage is shaped itself, whether the person has got a wide or a smaller pelvis as well and how the size of the belt and thickness itself. You might not just have one belt for something. So I know in the group we've had like a few reviews on belt use. Um, so it would be actually quite nice to see some from females. I I'd think so. Um, Just because we have got to look at sort of their build and what they find comfortable, the reasons why. So kind of using the group more as a supportive resource for both coaches and um, like trainees in there as well. Like you can learn a lot from other people.
0: Definitely. So, yeah, any lady lifters that are listening to this, if you want to do a review of your belt, as well as the specs on it and why you've kind of chosen that, if you've had any ones before that are too big and uncomfortable, etc., then yes, we can use the group to help each other and share in, well, basically share information just because I wouldn't have known that. Like as a bodybuilder, like I've not really done that much research in terms of belts. I've got a very, very basic, um, well, the first belt I bought was from like Sports Direct, which is basically just a thick fashion belt, it the, the leather on it's like really, really thin. That started to split very, very quickly. So then I went on to a like a modifit one, which I believe, oh, what's his name? It wasn't Elliot. Was um, yeah. it James? I'm going to get murdered for this. It wasn't James. Uh, it's another one of the admins. It's with the admin that like just shows up like once every six months. Um, oh, mark that's it so yeah mark's got a fit belt so i've got the same one as marcus and mine's blue uh, he's gonna kill me because i've forgotten his name now um and that does what it needs to do like i didn't even realize that you've got this you're meant to have different positions for like squats and deadlifts like that's just i need to get someone to show me how to use a belt basically but most of the time i don't use the belt anymore because i've been trying to work on those spinal erectors on um thickening basically up my back. I don't, I do beltless deadlifts now. Um, and they're nearly back up of the weight they were without a belt. But I had, as I said, because my techniques now had to change, I have to go much, much slower on the eccentric to control it on the way down because I can't drop it. Um and it has to be off blocks. So I'm in a lot safer position now. But yeah, the only exercise I use belt for now is a Uh, hack squat and that's only the last uh, that's only on my two working sets which are north of 170 at the moment so I think what you're saying about like slowly progressing up the amount of weight that you can do without a belt like should carry across to both men and women and I think a lot of people get overly attached to their belts and maybe some people are using it because they've got a little bit too much timber and it holds their tummy in a little bit um i'm not going to name any names with that um but yeah we all know that guy that walks around the gym with the belt on and we know it's just to hide the fact your belly is hanging over your sure. yes yeah, yeah. but that is it for tonight so thank you for all your time this evening uh, rachel uh, hopefully we can get a few more of these in over the next couple of weeks. Obviously we've had uh, less uh, questions than kind of we normally have, and with it being like female-focused, we know that sometimes it can be a little bit embarrassing asking more of those uh, personal questions when it comes to things like weighing yourself on the platform or anything to do with like menstrual cycles and stuff. So. Um, if you guys or girls want to rena- remain anonymous when you ask the question, just drop me a DM. So if you go into the group, click on my profile, you can drop me a DM. What I will do is I will screenshot any of those. And if you just let me know, like, I don't want my name put in, like, on this, I'll still read out the question and just kind of not put your name on there. So we just thought that would be a, a good option if anyone is wanting to remain anonymous. So... I know you said it earlier on, Rachel, but where can the guys find you if they want to go and see some more of your work on your rehab stuff or your pelvic floor stuff?
1: Okay. Instagram is RS underscore strength underscore coach, and my gym is inner underscore strength underscore N-E. Or you can find me in the group. Um okay about from time
0: to time so that group is home gym uk community um we have some issues so we've had to add community on the end of it now so yeah if you type in home gym uk community on facebook groups make sure you answer the all the questions some of the admins are real sticklers for like making all the questions be answered others are a little bit more flexible so if you you yeah definitely if you're more attractive then you only need to answer one question that's fine Um, so yeah if you want to make sure that you get in like answer all the questions it takes two minutes to answer the questions and if you want to find uh me i am dhpt on both instagram and facebook so yeah happy to answer any further questions you guys have Or, yeah, come and join the group. It's a massive community now. We're on, what, 8,500 members um, of 8,500 home gym owners in the UK. So if you want to know where, like, places have stopped, just discuss things home gym, whether you should go with a particular brand, um, all this kind of stuff, like get in there, get involved, and we would love to have you there. So, again, thanks for your time tonight, Rach, and I will speak to you again soon. He's done.